You're thinking about awareness. How are you going to draw somebody into that funnel? And how are you going to guide them through the steps in your funnel to ultimately become as highly pre-qualified as they can? And that's not going to waste anyone's time when they get to that point. Welcome to the Redefining Sales podcast, where we reimagine and redefine sales in a digital world. In this new series, we have absolutely scoured the world to bring you only the best of the very best. We will be working with each of the thought leaders to unpack all of their years of experience, their pearls of wisdom and nuggets of gold into bite-sized chunks that will enable you to redefine your sales. Welcome to the Redefining Sales Podcast. My name's Abby White. This week, we have so much juice for you in this episode. We are speaking to the incredible Heather Porter. If you have not come across Heather, you absolutely need to. She needs to be in your phone book and in your network. Heather has 15 years experience in digital marketing. She is a business owner, consultant, and highly sought after keynote speaker. Heather founded Website Love, which is a website development and social media agency specializing in digital marketing. She provides educational services, coaching, consulting, and so on. Not only that, she is a best-selling author. Finally, in her little rundown, she is also one of only seven Meta, formerly Facebook, certified lead trainers in Australia. So Meta, was Facebook, have only certified seven people in the whole of Australia, and she is one of those seven. She also teaches at the University of Sydney. So Heather is absolutely someone who I love and adore and have done so for several years. I've seen her in action so many times. And I had to bring her to you. So in this conversation, we are going to talk about what is working right now and what's not in lead generation. We're going to talk about the do's and don'ts of social media and how to get results. We're going to talk about how sales can leverage social media. We're going to talk about, of course, my favorite topic, how sales and marketing can collaborate. And we're going to talk about what is working right now in the world of online and websites. Um, Heather brings such a realistic and highly practical approach to this topic. She is absolutely phenomenal. I got so much from this episode. My team have listened to this episode and loved it um, and also took away so many nuggets of gold. So I know that you are in for a real treat. So enjoy the episode and I'll see you on the other side. This week, I have with me the amazing Heather Porter, who is going to be talking to us about all things digital marketing, lead generation, social media, websites, you name it, we have got it all covered. Heather, I have been following your journey for years. I was just telling you before we went on to record, I've seen you speak so many times. So it was about time we got you on the podcast. Oh, Abby, thank you so much. And um, I'm really excited for our conversation that we're going to have because I think your listeners are like in such a special place, primarily being in that sort of B2B space. There's a lot of confusion around what, how, how should I do things differently? Do I need to do them differently? So I think this episode is going to be just jam packed of really cool things for them to learn. Amazing. Well, let's jump straight in. So I want to start around laying the foundations. Um, You obviously have been doing digital marketing for over 15 years. You're an absolute guru in your field. So I really want to start with what are some of the foundations that you think have to be laid before you can go on to the cool, exciting, sexy stuff? What are the foundations for successful lead generation? 
Look, you really have to start kind of at the beginning, and that's understanding your customer journey. Um, we as human beings all decide to buy something or become a customer based on the customer journey, no matter if it's B2C, B2B. Um, we essentially wake up one day, not necessarily, but you get the idea. We wake up one day and you're like, wow, I suddenly have this problem in my life or in my business uh, or I have desire for something. And there's this whole journey from A to B, from that moment in time where you realize you have something that you need fixed or fulfilled in your life or business, all the way through to who you're going to do business with. There's this journey that we go on. And I think a lot of us focus on just that conversion sort of sales piece in the journey. And we forget that there's this whole sort of, I guess, steps to warming somebody up to educating somebody, to building trust. So to really lay the foundations for good lead gen, you want to focus on a journey that somebody takes with your business. And a big part of that is literally through content marketing. It's providing content based on how well somebody knows your solution, the offer. Um, I mean, like if you think, Abby, about all of us and how we buy, right? Some of us are going to know we're going to be very clear on our problem, but we're not going to know how we're going to solve the problem. We might literally be like, I have a problem. I have no idea how I'm going to have this fixed or I have a desire. I don't know where I'm going to go to fix, you know, fulfill this in my life. Um, some of us are like, I have this problem. I know about this sort of solution in the market. I know all about that already. And I'm educated and ready to go choose the company that's going to be right for me. So that's what I mean by understanding the customer journey, but also putting out different types of content to really meet somebody where they are in that journey with you. I love that. I always talk about when I present, I talk about not getting married on the first day. And I think a lot of what I see in the market <laughs> is very much, hi, buy my product or service. Buy my and stuff. It's, going, it's going straight in for the kill. There's no dating. So we always say like, what are the dates that you're going to build? Yeah, absolutely. It's dating. It's it's like, you got to build that trust. It's 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 You have to build a relationship before you jump and you're like, buy my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love that. And in terms of, I, I like what you said about content marketing, because I think there's some really interesting things there around how you can also improve the quality of leads to make sure it's not just leads for the sake of leads, but it's the right leads. And most of the clients we work with, they're on a mission. They have a big goal that they want to go get. So how do you improve that quality, but also the volume of leads? I, I will throw it back to content and education. I really think that's key. Um, I've spoken to a lot of businesses or been involved in their sort of marketing campaigns where they literally put out some content and they're like, now let's get on a call. And there's no sort of, there's no education in that process. So the person tends to come to the call or the meeting highly underqualified. Um, they're not the right fit because there's not enough sort of quote unquote hoops for them to jump through to first filter themselves out as the ideal client for your business, but also for the, when you, the time you're on that sales sort of process with them, you know that they're educated to a certain point on what you offer. So I think education is really, really important by getting the quality of leads. And when you're really great at your education and your content, what's going to happen is that, that that can compound. I mean, you can have really fantastic systems using social media, using emails, using different tools online to use that educational content that you put out and compound that. So essentially a couple of things are happening. You are spreading your content far and wide. It's educational. And then you have a steady flow of leads that are pre-qualified that are coming into your business. 
So I think ultimately what you're trying to think of is that you are coming back to your marketing funnel. You're thinking about awareness. How are you going to draw somebody into that funnel? And how are you going to guide them through the steps in your funnel to ultimately become as highly pre-qualified as they can? And that's not going to waste anyone's time when they get to that point. Yeah, I love that. And we did an analysis on last year, our highest performing campaigns. And the only ones, particularly last year, that were working were when someone, it it touches on several of the points you said, where they had a burning, burning, burning problem. It wasn't the nice to have list. It was the on fire list. But also we were almost, you know, selling by educating and really speaking to that problem. We weren't leading with education on an awesome product or service. We were educating around how you solve the problem. So I love that you talk to that. Absolutely. And isn't marketing just education really ultimately in the end? (laughs) You know, I mean, it is good marketing is education. Um, You're you're just helping somebody know that what you're offering is going to solve their problem, that burning problem that you spoke about. Um, And good marketing is also follow up. It's never making an assumption that you put out one piece of content or one landing page or one EDM and you're like, yeah, sales time. Let's do this. It's it's ultimately it is a process and it is a, it's a, you know, you're guiding people through steps and follow-up and all of us are in different levels in that customer journey. I mean, like I said at the beginning, some of us are aware of your solution that you're offering and now we're considering doing business with you. Some of us are not even really understanding the problem that we have in the first place. So yeah, funnels and follow-up. <laughs> It's so funny. Follow-up is the number one topic that comes up for me. I can speak to, it doesn't matter how experienced a team and the number one thing that comes up when we're wrapping up of biggest takeaways is, yeah, we really should do more follow-up. Yeah, it's, it's true. I think so many of us are focused, myself included. I mean, I get stuck in this too. We're so focused on the acquisition, right? We're like, get the leads in the door, get the leads in the door. We're like, yes, we got it. And we put it, you know, we put out some marketing to them. But I mean, it takes a long time, right, to warm somebody up, up, especially in high ticket, you know, service based products. And you're literally going, okay, so they're in the door, but there is a true path I've taken through. Have you ever heard of, um, Abby, the rule of seven in marketing? No, talk me through this one. Yeah. So it's um, basically what it is. And it's changed. It's like apparently a a lot higher touch point now with all the bombardment of messages and overwhelm that we all have on our dinging or pinging devices everywhere. But the idea is that um, with the rule of seven is that any person needs around seven touch points before they become a client of ours. And so that's, that's where we're coming back to this whole like journey and this whole content and education. It's like, literally they might have to Google you and go to your website. They might read a Google review. They might get a referral from a colleague. They might see you in an event. They might see you on a podcast, you know, so, but there's like literally a lot of touch points that have to happen before that to happen, have to happen, become when they change from being a prospect to a customer. And also, you know, that journey can take one year, two years, sometimes three years in some cases, you know, there's, there's quite a path that some of us have to lead somebody down. Yeah, I I love that. So I hadn't heard that seven rule, but I think the latest stat I read and it's changing like every day was it was (laughs) over 12 touch points. Some stuff I've read is over 15 touch points. And I'm really pleased you touched on Um, the length of time because I think sometimes it's almost an expectation that you put a campaign out in market and then where are the leads or where's the conversion and it doesn't actually marry up to the typical sales cycle that a potential prospect would go through and so there's almost that perception of well that didn't work and then we give up too soon when actually like you've just said sometimes you know we've just had a client convert this week 
we've been dating them if you use my dating analogy yeah. for two years you know yeah yeah oh happens with me happens in our business three years sometimes and you get the most random things too if you're doing your job and you're really educate educating the market out there you you'll get like those referrals coming in you'll get people that are like hey so you know john smith told me about you he says you guys are fantastic and you're like okay but great i don't know who john smith is but <laughs> you know <laughs> so yeah it, it can take a long time and um I love that you said that as well. It's not just about whacking a campaign out there to the world and going, oh, it's failed because I didn't get people that signed up tomorrow. Yeah, I love that. So you briefly mentioned social media before, and obviously this is one of your specialties um, and you're one of only eight um, Facebook, or we have to say meta now, certified yes. specialists. Um, I can't get my head around meta versus Facebook. I just can't do it. Um, <laughs> I still can't. <laughs> Um, I want to talk to you about best practices, because, again, I think social media to me almost feels like one of the most controversial topics you can talk about because there's so many different opinions on, you know, what is best practice. Um, and we work predominantly and our audience predominantly listening today is in the B2B arena. And I think sometimes there's a perception that, oh, well, that's OK for B2C but we're B2B, so that's not the same for us. Facebook is, you know, TikTok's for the cool kids. Facebook is for personal. LinkedIn's for business. And I, and I think there's a lot of um, misunderstandings and misconceptions around that. So can you talk to us about, I appreciate it's a broad question, but for B2B, some Facebook best practices and maybe overcome some of those myths? Sure. And we are all in great company right now because I'm B2B. I mean, that's my business does. And I am always on social media. So I think the key two things to consider from more of a mindset perspective is that when you're doing business with a business, you are still doing business with a person, whether it is, you know, the head of marketing, the CEO, the founder, um, whatever, whatever that job role that you're going after, that person is still a person. And they still have desires and problems. Now, albeit it'll be specific to their role in the business if you're talking to them, um, but they're still a person with problems. So people use social media and B2B is just simply talking to a person in a company that you're trying to target. So that's the first thing to consider. And secondly, best practice for social media is understanding how social media works. It's a discovery platform. Whereas Google is an intent-based platform. So if you go on Google, you're very clear on what you're Googling for. You might be like, is this product better than this product? Or, you know, you're Googling about a company or reviews or product comparisons or whatever it is. But you have an intent to actively perhaps get closer to a purchase. Whereas on social media, you're discovering things. You're literally like you're going on LinkedIn in the feed and you're like, oh, let's see what so-and-so is up to, or let's see what the trends are in this particular industry, or let's read an article, or Facebook, you're on the same thing, or Instagram, you're, you're on the feed. You're not actively going there to go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to sign up to be somebody's customer today. Look, some people do, but not most. So if you keep those two things in mind and you understand it's a discovery platform, so people are there to have fun and learn things. And secondly, you are active, actually doing business with a person. Well, what type of content can you put out there? So best practice, the content that performs across the board, hands down, there's three core types on social. The first one is what we call BTS or behind the scenes. Uh, second is UGC or user generated content. 
And the third is education, which we've been speaking at quite in depth already. Um, I can definitely give you some examples on how B2Bs use each of those. Should I do that? Okay, perfect. So behind the scenes, um, we often think think of like an influencers out there and they're kind of like vlogging or talking about their lives or the, you know, the smoothie that they're eating, but um, or drinking, I should say. But BTS is, is very widely used for people in business as well. And I'm thinking specifically, um, I did some consulting work not too long ago with a really well-known agency here in Sydney. Um, You know, they work with quite large brands and the two founders of the agency, they they do like a lot of TV work. Um, The two founders were like, well, yeah, how do we like do BTS with us? I mean, what do we do? Like walk around the office with a camera or (laughs) how does that look? So as an example for the two founders of this company, what they did is they decided what they were passionate about when it came to what they did in their business. And they they positioned it more like thought leadership. So they shared content that was specific to what they were passionate about in their industry. And it that for them was BTS or behind the scenes. So it doesn't have to be education, but it can be kind of like opinion pieces or what you stand for. Um, UGC or user-generated content Obviously, in a lot of B2B, it's not going to be about somebody taking a selfie with your product, right? So in this case, it's case studies, it's storytelling, it's before and afters. It's literally saying, you know, client A came to me and this was their problem and this is what we did for them. Um, Case studies are phenomenal. I mean, I've seen them work time and time again, even as like a like a freebie or a, like a lead magnet where as a B2B company, you actually give away like a case study where people are like, oh, I get to be a fly on the wall with another company and see how they transformed. So that could be UGC. Um, and you can even bring in, you know, your clients and interview them um, or just interview people, you know, in your space. Then you also have education, of course, and education can look a lot of different ways. I mean, it can literally be um, a pre-recorded video. It can be interviews. It can be blogging. um, It can be industry trends. uh, There's just so many directions that you can take that. So I think if you come from that perspective and you're like, cool, it's a discovery platform. I am still talking to people. How can I utilize these three pieces of content that we know perform consistently across all social media platforms? How can you you guys use those for your businesses? Mm, I love that. That actually leads me really, really nicely to um, something that I want to unpack with you, because I believe that to do those three things, we actually need to play really, really nicely with the sales team. You know, a lot of the time we're following people, not companies, you know, I follow Richard Branson, not Virgin and so on. And so, you know, it's for how can the sales team share that case study? How can the sales team share their little snippet of thought leadership or how can they be sharing that educational piece of content? And I know it's something that we've found is a standout in terms of factors for success is if we can get the sales team behind it, we're just going to go so much further than what we can do without them. So how have you managed to get sales teams on board this process and adopting social media when perhaps some sales teams, and I hear it every day of the week, um, still say, well, social media, that's marketing's problem. (laughs) Yeah, good point, right? Um, So it it is a truly a rapport building exercise for your sales team. Um, So 
With that said, you do have to play to their strengths um, and what they, so a couple things, what type of content is best for them? You know, some people like to write, some people like to be on audio, some people video, like what is their core strength when it comes to communicating? That's the first thing to consider. And secondly, what is it about your business, like the initiatives, the things you stand for, the projects you're working on? What is it that specifically excites that particular salesperson on your team? Because it's going to be different. Like someone might want to be on video and might fully love the startup work that you do, where somebody else is like, you know, I like the the change work that we do, you know, internally in companies, whatever, whatever it is, right? So find what they're excited about. Then work out a way of arming them with the content that they can share in that space. So it can be literally where you provide articles that are pre-written and then ask them to share them and then give context, their opinion on why they're sharing it. Um, I do a lot of work with council and you know, a lot of times this comes up with the different team, you know, council team members and they're like, well, how do we share stuff that's more exciting and make it more human? And it's always about like, what is it about you as an individual that makes you excited? And then that's the stuff you can share. Secondly, you can also look at is, are some of these salespeople on your team actually, could they be great content creators as well? Because some salespeople are like, yeah, give me freaking a webinar, give me a camera and a phone and I'm good to go. And then you could actually turn them into an interviewer. Um, I'm thinking of a recruitment company that did this quite well. So they created a podcast and literally went out to the people like the the businesses that they wanted to, you know, place talent in. And they would be like, okay, well, and this is in the financial space. So they would say, okay, so like we go out and we'd find all the, you know, CEOs and founders of financial planning companies. And then we would interview them about the current state of financial in Australia. And like, it was really cool because it created great content, but it was a foot in the door for the salesperson that was doing the interviews. So I think, yeah, I think hopefully that answers your question. I mean, it's ultimately recapping on two things, specifically what kind of content or type of delivery of content method is best for each salesperson on your team, video, audio, written, um, interviews, et cetera. And number two, what projects are they most excited about? Because they're only going to be trans sort of transparent and likable if they're literally talking about things they care about. That is absolutely gold. I am. I often use snippets from my podcasts in sales enablement. I'm like, oh, that one I need to take. Yeah, <laughs> um, so yeah right. <laughs> that's a genius idea as well around the um, interviewing someone for the podcast that could be a prospect. That's genius. Works. It's, really good. it's a great foot in the door. <laughs> So how for you, you sort of mentioned there, I love how you put it. Some people might be like, yeah, let's go. Let's do a webinar. Let's do a podcast. And they might kind of be jumping on board. And for others, we might be sort of like, you know, teasing them along a little bit. Um, I've actually found it surprising because people often associate salespeople with, you know, we're confident, we're out there. And, and that's not always the case. And I've actually yeah. found whenever I present this to sales teams, there is an element of, oh, I don't want to put myself out there on social media. You know, I don't want to do it. And there's sort of that hesitance. So sometimes it's just that initial step, I guess, in building the confidence. How do you help people who haven't really been on socials before to take that first step on the journey? Share content that the business has created. That's the easiest first place to start. Whether, like you said, it's a podcast snippet or it's a part of an article 
Um, just like if you're noticing that, that somebody on your sales team is a little bit hesitant around that, say, look, here's a library of some amazing content. Um, maybe just share, just start by sharing this and then giving your opinion about it. Um, mm. Or even if that seems all too scary to start with, just share it, just share it and say, hey, I thought you guys might like this. I mean, it can be literally quite like vanilla, really the comment that you share. So you can absolutely start very small and then work into it as they feel more confident and comfortable. Yeah, I love that. And actually, I've got to ask you about this because the other thing that I think is um, a bit of a myth is I think some people get caught up in the vanity metrics of it and go, well, I shared it, but I only got two likes. So that did nothing. Yeah, there, there's this rule that I live by and it's it's kind of like a silent rule in digital marketing. It's called the 1% rule. And it's essentially that 1% of people that see your work are going to respond. So yeah. so many of us, we will definitely see the information, but just not do anything about it. Um, like literally, and it's a, a side note, but not really because it'll come back to what we're talking about. But um you know, there's lots of changes going on with data protection right now. And, um, you know, all the Apple changes that are happening, which are influencing how advertising works, because Apple's blocking data from if somebody's on their Facebook app, they click an ad. It's hard to sort of read what the person's doing when they leave that app. Same thing starting up with uh, Mac Mail. So they're blocking <laughs> The, the open rates of, of emails. And so what's really interesting about this is that with emails, like looking at in the past, we would look at, you know, what's successful via opens and things mm -hmm. like that. Nowadays, we're having to just really kind of imagine, like we used to know how many people open, but now we have no idea. <laughs> so this makes it harder for us knowing that so many people look at our stuff without clicking and without doing anything. So I think it's a rule to keep in mind that you're going to be putting out content. The majority of people are just not going to be doing anything, whether it's clicking on emails, whether that's clicking on an ad, whether that's doing a reaction or an emoji on Instagram, they're just not. So don't worry about it and keep creating anyway. There's a great little um, sort of quote that's be a producer and not a consumer. And that goes for consuming the engagement rates. So just put your head down, create great content. And over time, you will definitely get the results. Yeah, it's always interesting when you read about people who now are sort of quite global thought leaders and they talk about when they first did their newsletters and it was probably just like their mum and their dad who were doing totally. it, <laughs> reading it, you know, two people, yes. Um, but they were, you know, just doing it and getting in the groove and honing their skills and sharing. And then over time it built, it's not that overnight sensation. It builds. And that's where those referrals also come. Like you'll get the most random referrals. So-and-so saw such and such some email that you put out and you're like, wow, cool. And then you got business off of it. I mean, it, yeah. it really is. It's like, it's just being sort of, what's that word, you know, omnipresent, like really just putting yourself out there. And as long as you know, in your heart that you're providing good value to your potential prospects and your leads. If you know that, like, you know, you're not creating con content for the sake of creating content or putting noise, more noise out there. But if you're really creating well thought through content, then, you know, it will work. It will work and you will get referrals and things will start to happen. Yeah. I always look at it as the meeting test as well. I find it fascinating when I go to meetings and people go, oh, Abby, I love those videos on LinkedIn. They didn't like, they didn't comment. They didn't share, yeah. they didn't do anything, but they were watching. 
I know. I just got a comment the other day because I do uh, fortnightly webinars for my own community and um, videos that I put out every week as well in education. And I literally was talking to somebody the other day. She's like, oh, my God, Heather, you are everywhere. I see you everywhere. And the videos you're doing are amazing. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know you knew about me or watched them. She's like, oh, yeah, I referred two people to you last week. (laughs) Amazing. Case in point. So sort of tying a bow on some of our social media chat, um, what what is one myth about social media that you just, I know we touched on it briefly, but what's one myth that you just want to bust on social media that you hear all the time? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, let me think. Good myth, good myth. Just create consistent content. <laughs> Just create consistent content and everything will fall into place. Now, I know we've talked a lot about creating good content, which is very important. But what we haven't spoken about, which is equally important, is the engagement piece. It's the community piece. So just creating good content alone on social media is not going to cut it. You've got to communicate with the people. Like even if you get one comment in your like in your comments, communicating back to that person is so important or just acknowledging them with like a thumbs up equally important expanding beyond your own posts and commenting on other people's stuff it's like any other relationship i scratch your back you scratch mine if you're just out there pushing stuff out to the market and hoping that that ultimately is going to build your community and your relationships with others it's not you got to be present in the other comments as well Oh, I love that. I'm so pleased that you said that. It's almost like you don't want the best friend who just wants to turn up when they want something. You want the reciprocal relationship. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so true. <laughs> yeah, well said. So I want to sort of change tact a little bit um, because you obviously have a huge skill set around online marketing. Um, I've also seen so much of your stuff around websites as well and sort of best practice there. Um I think, again, there's a really interesting shift at the moment that some of the perceptions around online marketing and what we do on our website to generate leads, again, has had this perception, well, that's okay for B2C, but not so much B2B, where we've got a higher ticket price or a higher sales cycle. So sort of similar vein in in terms of before, what are... I guess if I start with what are your non-negotiables for a great website that is going to also drive lead generation as part of its purpose? So um, every single website I build in my business, every website I optimize for better conversion rates, all comes back to the very first question in this podcast, which is the customer journey. Your website must have all elements for somebody, no matter how well they know your brand or your business. So what does that look like? Well, You need to have a blog or some sort of area in your website that has education for people that are in that awareness phase. They're needing to understand more about the problem that they have and build that relationship and rapport with you. So you must have sort of an educational hub or blog or podcast or something out there in that in that way. You're going to also need to have the sort of hardworking sales pages on your site. So those are your core pages around your services, your packages, what you offer. And those pages need to be self-contained little mini websites or units, like a landing page. So essentially, those pages you are, um, you know, addressing the problem that somebody has. You're sharing benefits of what it's like to work with you. You are sharing the features of what's included in how you work. 
loads of credibility, 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 <laughs> credibility everywhere. So we're talking testimonials, case studies, um, as seen in sort of media accreditations, platforms that you work in. All these can be illustrated in logos. Um, so that sort of credibility stuff should be littered throughout these core sales pages because every single person, as we go through these pages, we go through them in very different ways. We scan them, we jump around, we look for core things and that you really want to break up those pages. So we have your sales pages, we have your educational pages. Um, also, scannability is so important these days because so many people access your site the very first time from a mobile device. So scannability is key. You must be breaking up your big walls of text with images, videos, headlines, bullet points, graphics. It needs to really be strategically thought through that you're actually building a site for scanning versus reading. That is the, the trend of what's you know happening now. So I suppose, and one last non-negotiable would be very clear CTAs or call to actions across your entire site. So all of your buttons or your links are a different color and use the same color throughout the site. So you're training your visitor on, oh, this site green means take a step, take an action. So your buttons are green, your links are green, et cetera. Um, really just think through, you know, do you have a CTA everywhere as well? Like, is it in your menu? Like start here, book a call. Um, visit us, book an appointment. Is it literally, are these buttons and links everywhere on your website? So people just don't see them in the menu or seeing them at the base of one of your pages, but no matter where they are on the site, they can take action with you. There's probably more, but those are my, my non-negotiables. <laughs> I'm like taking notes going, I just want to stop this conversation and go check my website. So I'm like, I think we do that. Do we do that? I think so. <laughs> oh yeah. my gosh. There is so much in that. And I think it's, <laughs> It's kind of interesting because I think sometimes we think about things like that, for example, CTAs as being more, ah, um, oh, but I've got a really, so if you take our client base, we've got a really heavy client base in IT. So people think, well, I'm not going to buy a hundred thousand dollar, you know, infrastructure deal or whatever it is, but actually the first step you would. So whether that's, can I book a health assessment? Can I book a Correct. demo? Can I book a trial? Can I book a loan? The first yeah. step you can. Yeah, it's always and that's yeah, that this that journey. It's like, well, okay, if they're reading about, you know, a hundred thousand dollar package on this page, what do they need to do next? Like that's all you're asking for at that point. Like literally, you're like, what's the next step that they need to take? Like you said, an audit or jump on the call, whatever that is. Those CTAs, those next steps should be everywhere. You should truly be guiding somebody on every single page of your website. Credibility, why you should trust us, next step. Credibility, why you should trust us. Oh, and what's in it for you? next steps right so you're kind of just constantly rotating through that I so want to get off this call and go look at my website <laughs> <laughs> um I want to come back to online marketing um I think that right now it's quite challenging because you know you can go out and read for three seconds <gasps> everyone must do SEO right <gasps> everyone must come <laughs> from TikTok <gasps> everyone's yeah. now got to build their database because the power's in the database there's so much sort of um hype everywhere you look around what you must do what do you think you know are the focus areas for 2022 what do you think are some of the sort of opportunities not to be missed where when there's 20,000 things you can do and I appreciate it probably be different for everybody but what are some of the focus areas you think people should be drawing their attention to Speaking of attention, it's exactly that. Um, attention span has dropped even more in the last year. Um, 
we have the tiniest itty bitty attention spans ever, thanks to news feeds and social media and bombardment, right? So I think the main focus right now is to reevaluate everything that you do with your marketing and your website through the new filters of baby attention spans. So coming back to the importance of scannability, headlines, do you have core points bolded, brought out everywhere? Videos that you're putting out, are they too long? Do they need to be shortened? Do you get right to the point? Emails, same thing. So you almost, I would call it like a a short attention span checklist and go (laughs) through all of your assets with this in mind. Even just a few short years ago, you could go to a website and people were more forgiving where they go to longer sort of, you know, long sales page and, and really consume and read content. It's, it's just, it's shifted so much. And I've seen this through, um, you know, looking at analytical tools, whether it's Google analytics, there's heat mapping tools, which show how far people scroll down a page. Um, you know, 80% of people on your website will only consume if you're lucky up to 20% of the content on one of your pages that they're on. It's not a lot. <laughs> so yeah. That's the core. That's the core trend really looking, looking ahead is, is shortening, tightening, sweetening everything that you do. I think I read a stat somewhere to say that the videos now that were being most consumed and correct me if I'm wrong, cause you'd probably know this better than I do. It's like under anything under two and a half minutes over two and a half minutes suddenly has become like long form. Is that, is there merit in that or did I make that up? No, you're so spot on. Well done with that, by the way. That's exactly why all my videos that I put out every week in my newsletter are under two and a half minutes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's used from YouTube data um, where, you know, drop off rates and videos. People just kind of tend to not want to stick around unless it's like for a webinar or a masterclass or a demo or something that they signed up for in that way. But the standard educational piece of content yet yeah, under two and a half minutes these days. Um, and some might even argue 15 seconds, 30 seconds because of the, you know, reels and, <laughs> um, you know, TikToks in the world right now, too. We're even training people to go shorter. Yeah, wow. Actually, I have to ask you about TikTok. I, d- I didn't tell you I was going to ask this one, so tell me if it's not. <laughs> yeah, area cool. But I'm fascinated around more B2B businesses jumping on board TikTok. Are you, what are you seeing around that? It is where a big movement of people are going. Um, I have seen B2B and B2C and all sort of experts in any industry doing well. And the thing with TikTok, though, is it's a little bit more complicated with your content and the fact that you really need to be hook them in with a very creative headline or title. It has to create curiosity really like from the start. If you're in that sort of B2B space, you've got to hook them in the first three seconds of your video as well with like lots of movement, lots of activity. It's a way it's a different way of thinking about creating content. So if you're used to sort of just jumping on a video and starting to talk, it might not ever take off over there. So um, yeah, I've seen it working really well, but it's definitely the wild west and it's all about testing and trying things that you might think are a little bit more bizarre that you, you know, you would never do on LinkedIn, for example. We've got one of uh, my team, she's got an eight-year-old daughter who is yeah. really serious by TikTok. So I'm like, that's okay. We'll employ the eight-year-old. She can help us with our TikTok strategy. But she might make you start singing and dancing. So. <laughs> that has been mentioned and the team so far is not giving me the vote of confidence. <laughs> and you do not have to do that to succeed on TikTok, guys. So don't worry. You don't have to bust out your best karaoke, karaoke and dance moves. It's not, it doesn't have to be about that. <laughs> 
Uh, so we've talked about so many different things and I kind of want to peel it back because right now, like even I've been making notes and I'm like, right, I want to check my website. I want to check, you know, my video length. I want to check this. I want to check that. Like there's so many different things we've talked about. If you were going to sort of narrow the field and say, okay, just take a next step. Like, where do we start? Um, what do you think the starting point is for the audience who have been inspired by all the different things we've talked through? <laughs> Yeah, so look at your customer journey. Um, look at what pieces of content you need to create to move somebody from understanding, recognizing a problem that they have to showing them that you're the best solution. What pieces of content can you create to make that happen? And I'd go back to literally those three topics I told you guys about before. So education, yeah. behind the scenes, which might be thought leadership pieces, uh, and user-generated content, which could be as simple as case studies. So reevaluate what you have going on there and truly is what you have. Does that actually support moving somebody from point A to point B, from, from sort of awareness to prospect? Um, that would be a really excellent place to start. And once you have that mapped out, then revisit your website, go through that sort of shortest attention span concept and just really think through, are you guiding somebody to the right step based on the page that they're on at that moment in time, audit, phone call, you know, whatever that is at that time, not necessarily sales. Mm, I love that. Absolutely love it. So before we let you go, I've got to ask you, um, this is my favorite question to ask. And it's always the most dangerous one for me because I have a book. <laughs> um, what are your favorite business books that you would recommend? I am all okay. So I'm obsessed with my Kindle and I'm also obsessed with podcasts. Um, I'm an avid learner. So there's two right now that I've just kind of revisited. So I don't ever have a favorite business book, but the two right now I'm looking at for two very different reasons. Um, the first one is uh, 10 million, no, $100 million offers. That's what it's called $100 million offers by Alex Hermosi. Have you heard of that? No, I'm going to be buying it though. It's on Audible as well. Um, this guy, just really interesting way of thinking about offers and offers are how we sell there. An offer is not a product or a service. It is the full complete package. It's the emotion behind it. It's the urgency, the scarcity. It's the, um, you know, all, all the things that you need to have a really successful standout thing for people to buy. Um, it is brilliant. It gets you in the mindset of niching as well as what makes a really great offer. So $100 million offers by Alex Hermosi. You probably will love it. I definitely recommend. Um, and back to the oldie, but the goodie uh, influence. Um, the, the What is it? The Psychology of Persuasion by Robert Cialdini. I have got that one next to me. That's on my list to read. Um, I literally, I can see it in the corner of my eye. So I haven't read yeah. that one yet, but I had a friend of mine um, rave about it. So I bought it and that's in my pile to go. It's a really good one to flick through, even speaking of scannability, flick through it and get some little golden nuggets whenever you're working on a new marketing campaign. It's, it's yeah, it has some good ideas in there. Hmm. Okay. I will be ordering the first one. I haven't got the $1 million offer, so I'll be ordering that. <laughs> I think it's $100 million offers. So Google that. Yeah, I think I got there. $100 million. There you go. Oh, my gosh. Um, Edward, thank you so, so, so much. I mean, that has just been jam-packed full of ideas and concepts. I've been taking notes, and I'm so, so, so grateful. And I think it's just perfect for our audience. Um, if people want to connect with you, which I highly recommend that they do, where's the best place to come and which cool kids channel are you hanging out on? Is it the TikTok videos or is it <laughs> where do we find you? 
Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, well, I'm always putting up blogs, like weekly content pieces on my website, um, website love.com.au. So if you want to sort of see short two and a half minute videos or less and how I do them through education, that's a great place over on website love.com.au. Um, gosh, where else? I, I love, I actually like Instagram quite a bit. So I am on there. Um, so <laughs> you can just go, my username is Heather R. Porter. Just search for Heather Porter over on Instagram. But yeah, those would be a couple of places that you can find me. Amazing. Thank you so much, Heather. I really appreciate your time. So thanks for joining us today. Absolute pleasure. Thanks you guys for tuning in and listening as well and being here. And Abby, thank you so much for having me as well. Thank you for tuning in. Now, before you leave us, if you would like to download our latest white paper on the state of sales and marketing, which unpacks four steps to drive hyper growth in your business, please visit whitepaper.salesredefined.com.au. And if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure that you subscribe so that you never miss a future episode. And finally, we would absolutely love it and appreciate it if you could leave us a review and maybe even share with a friend. We'll see you next time.